Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. everybody welcome into this episode of the Superflex super show i am james the brain and i'm going to be hosting this episode all on my own i decided that uh the guys are burned out you know i mean we did we did three days of draft coverage and the guys are burned out they've uh, they've also been on a bunch of other podcasts recording and so i have decided that i'm going to do this one on my own I want to talk to you guys about rookies. Look, we just had the NFL draft. We've had a few days to let let these landing spots sink in and and react to to what we to what we saw uh, over the weekend on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday with the NFL draft and, and and with these landing spots. And we've had some time to kind of reflect on them and to see how we feel truly about them. So I want to go. We're going to go position by position, player by player, and we're going to go over things. We're going to start at quarterback. This is a super flex show, so of course we're going to start at quarterback, and we're not going to hit everybody, but we are going to hit some of the major players, and we're going to start with the number one overall pick, Joe Burrow, going to Cincinnati. Look, I'm not going to spend too much time here because this is something that we kind of all saw coming. Joe Burrow to Cincinnati was the worst kept secret in the draft. It, uh, everyone knew that this was happening, and uh, it, it was just made official on Thursday after the pick was in. Joe Burrow is, you know, he's coming off of what many consider to be the best college season for a, a, a quarterback ever of all time. Uh, that's how good his his season was. Um, his passing statistics were fantastic. Um, he really, really grew. He really showed a lot in that season. Uh, the, the one thing I do want to focus on is is the landing spot. Is you know what do we think? I think a lot of people were turned off at of Joe Burrow because of the landing spot. Cincinnati um, has been a tough place to to get fantasy production from the quarterback position for a while. Andy Dalton's really hit or miss, but I, I love this position for Joe Burrow. I think this is a fantastic position for him to contribute. Look. It, it became even better when Cincinnati added T. Higgins in the second round of the draft with the first pick of the second round. And we'll get to T. Higgins in a little bit. Uh, but, you know, with that with that target, adding a, a nice young playmaker like T. Higgins, you have A.J. Green, uh, you know, coming back with the tag. They franchise tagged him, so he's back for a year. You have Tyler Boyd. Now you have T. Higgins. You definitely have pass-catching options there that can be elite. You've also got Joe Mixon, uh, who is fantastic running the ball, can provide some balance to this offense. You get – I can't remember who – I. I want to say it's Jonah Williams, um, but but you get an offensive tackle back that you drafted in the first round highly last year that was not available at all um, last year because of an injury in the preseason. So uh, you're essentially getting another first round pick back and this one on the offensive line to add to things. So I, I think Cincinnati is a really good landing spot. This offense can be dangerous. They can be explosive. Uh, Joe Burrow playing for an offensive minded head coach as well. So uh, to me, this isn't a bad landing spot. I like Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. I think for fantasy purposes, this is a nice landing spot. Um, I expect him to start right away week one. 
Uh, I know that Andy Dalton is still there, but I do think that Joe Burrow is is going to be in sooner rather than later. And I think when you take a quarterback number one overall, you're signifying we we're, we hit the reset button on this franchise, and it's time to get uh, to get this number one overall pick on the field and see what he can do. You know, there's not a lot of leeway there. So I expect Joe Burrow to play right away. I expect him to contribute right away. And I think he's a very solid pick in super flex leagues. Even in non-super flex leagues, uh, I think the top two or three quarterbacks are going to go a lot earlier than they did in in years past, especially last year. Um, I know Kyler Murray, a lot of people were high on, but uh, I think this quarterback class as a whole, at, at least those those top three, are widely considered ranked higher than most of the quarterback class was last season. So uh, that that's Joe Burrow in a nutshell uh, for me, and that's the way I kind of see things with Joe Burrow. Let's go to Tua uh, Tungavailoa. Tua ends up in Miami, and you know Miami, three first-round picks. I think they had a very nice draft. Uh, I do, but uh, Tua lands in a situation where he's got Devontae Parker, who we saw break out a little bit last year. Uh, he has Preston Williams, who has a rookie, you know, really impressed when he was healthy last year. Uh, you know, at the running back position, you know, they 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 have Jordan Howard. They traded for Matt Bereda, which was a nice trade there. Uh, but I think, and, and you have Mike Gusecki, a nice young tight end that uh, that showed well last year, especially towards the end of last year. So uh, I think I think there's pieces here for Tonga Vailoa to to really um, to really build a, a you know a nice relationship with and uh, and for him to have a nice career here. Um, I think Miami is in the start of a rebuild, and I think that uh, you know they have a bunch of picks next year too. So I expect Tonga Viola to to grow. Uh, to continue to grow, um, you know. So I, I don't know that we're going to see his ceiling right away. I, I, I guess that kind of goes without saying. You know, we're not going to see a lot of rookie ceilings right away. Uh, but but with Tua, I think you know we're going to see a lot of growth. I think there's going to be more room for growth with him uh, in that system and with those weapons. I think they can add a little bit more to make him, um, you know, to 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 provide him with even better weapons and to make him uh, an even better fantasy quarterback. So uh, Tua, to me, still a very nice landing spot. Again, uh, a guy who I don't expect, I, I, I don't know what to expect as far as him starting right away either. Um, I, I almost think that this might be a midseason thing. Uh, I know he was a top pick, but he is coming off a serious injury. Ryan Fitzpatrick is back from Miami. He played well at times last year. And I think that at least the first three, four games, we might see Fitzpatrick in there um, and to a kind of kind of take over that job a little bit later in the season. Uh, again, this off season, it's going to be a little different, you know, with, with everything going on with, with the pandemic that, uh, that, that we're in the middle of currently, uh, you know, it, there may be less time to get these rookies ready. There might not be, but there might be. And, uh, and, and that could play a role in Tua as well, uh, kind of moving forward here. So um, that's my thoughts on Tua and, and his situation that he winds up in Miami. And then we have Justin Herbert. Uh, we're definitely going to go over Justin Herbert as well. He lands uh, with the LA Chargers. Uh, very interesting landing spot. His supporting cast is fantastic. I mean, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, um, uh, Hunter Henry. Uh, you know, I, I believe they added KJ Hill later in the draft as well. But uh, they, you know, they they have uh, you know a lot of weapons to to build around. Um, Austin Eckler is a fantastic pass catching back um, and can be that safety valve in this offense if need be. So I think Justin Herbert winds up 
in a very, very nice spot, an appealing spot for fantasy. Uh, so, you know, th there's that. The, the, the other thing is, you know, right now they have Tyrod Taylor. Um, I could see Tyrod Taylor starting the year. I could see this being very similar to what I laid out for Tua. Um, Tyrod Taylor starting the year and then Justin Herbert maybe taking over later in the year. But it also wouldn't shock me if if Justin Herbert just outright wins this job in preseason, if that's if we have a preseason. <laughs> but uh, it wouldn't shock me if, if that happened. Um and the reason being is because I just I don't know how much confidence I have in Tyrod Taylor being very good. Uh, so so to me, you know, this option here, uh, you know, it it might be hey let's let's start Herbert because he might give me the best chance to win uh, right away as well as getting him fast track to becoming that franchise quarterback that you want him to be. So uh, that that situation is very interesting to monitor. I think. I think Herbert wound up in the best spot of these top three quarterbacks. Uh, so that increases his value to me. Uh, but I, I did not have him ranked in the same tier uh, pre-draft as as Joe Burrow and Tua Tungabailoa, who I had 1A and 1B. Um, Burrow slightly ahead, but both those guys are so talented and very, very good um, that I still think I would draft those guys over Justin Herbert. But Herbert definitely moved up the rankings in my board. Uh, you know, so, um, you know, very interesting landing spot with him. Now let's get to some of the other prospects. So we're not going to go over a, a ton of guys here again, but, uh, but I do want to hit on some of the other guys and Jordan Love being the first one. Hey, look, he was the other quarterback that went in the first round. The Green Bay Packers traded up to acquire Jordan Love. That's how much they liked him. Uh, there was a lot of rumors that, that, you know, teams either, uh, he was a polarizing prospect. Teams either really liked him or really were out on him. And Green Bay apparently really liked him. And I know this has been a controversial uh, pick. And, you know, living in the Wisconsin area and listening to a lot of uh, talk show radio in this in this area, hearing a lot of people come on those those stations and comment. I know there's a lot of upset Packer fans. Uh, they didn't love the pick. They didn't like that they moved up for him. They wanted uh, you know, this team was 13-3 and three last year, and they wanted to surround Aaron Rodgers with more weapons to try to win now. And a lot of people are disappointed that they didn't do that in their estimation. Um, so so this, this pick of Jordan Love is interesting. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is the same age as Brett Favre was when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers. So uh, very interesting kind of happenings going on in Green Bay. Um, look, I, I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to outright say it. Look, Aaron Rodgers didn't get along with Mike McCarthy, you know, towards the end that, that coaching staff didn't get along with them. And now, you know, it makes you wonder when after one year with a new head coach, you know, they're, they're drafting their guy, their guy, quote unquote, um, and going up and getting a quarterback. It makes you wonder if, you know, does Aaron Rodgers have problems with authority? Is that what it is? Is that it, it does, does he just want to do things his way? Um, and, and, you know, and that's, that's kind of been the knock on Rodgers, at least with McCarthy there. Uh, that, that was what we heard was, you know, McCarthy would call a play or Rodgers would change it. You know, Rodgers wanted to run the offense the way he felt that it would run best. And I almost wonder if that was the case still after the coaching change. So, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I don't know that that's true. I'm just saying that, you know, with, with this pick, it makes you question why, why did they make this pick? Why did they do this? And um, I really feel like there's, there's, there's gotta be something here. You know, there's gotta be something here on why they, they felt like they needed to spend 
move up in the first round and spend first round draft capital on a quarterback. It's, it's more than just he's going to sit there for four years. Um, I, I, I think there's more to it than that. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's an interesting pick. Um, Jordan Love, again, out of Utah State. I was not a, a big fan of his game personally. Uh, when I watched his film, I just saw a lot of mental errors, uh, a lot of mistakes, a lot of first reads that he would go to. I didn't see him going through his progressions as often as I would have liked. Um, he walks onto his target a little bit too much. And th these are all things that I think can be changed with coaching, but I think it's going to take time. And so, you know, maybe if he does sit behind Rodgers for at least a year, you know, maybe those are things that can be worked out with them. But uh, but an interesting pick, an eyebrow-raising pick. This was a pick that I think a lot of people really uh, really didn't see coming. It really felt was, was maybe a little bit of a reach by Green Bay. But nonetheless, uh, the Packers got their guy. That's the guy that they wanted. And to me, the writing's on the wall. I mean, I, he's, I, I'm valuing him higher than most. And look, I, again, I'm not a big fan of Jordan Love's film. I'm not a big fan of his tape. But what I am a big fan of is his draft capital. I'm a big fan of the team he went to. Uh, they, they seem to be able to produce quarterbacks there. Uh, so, I, I, you know, there are signs that say that Jordan Love can, can be okay. Um, I just think that a lot of people feel like he is years and years away from producing. I personally don't feel that way. I don't think that they would have taken him this moved up in the first round and taken Jordan Love if they didn't plan on using him within the next couple of years. Uh, I know that Aaron Rodgers is under contract. I know all this, but I also know that there, I'm sure there are teams lining up to take on Aaron Rodgers' contract and, hey, you know, trade him to me. Uh, New England would probably be one of them that would have a whole lot of interest in working with Aaron Rodgers towards the, uh, the back half, the latter half of his career here. So, um, yeah, I, it would not shock me if Jordan Love saw the field sooner rather than uh, than later. Um, I think maybe sitting a year is is kind of where where I see him at. Um, but yeah, a, a high upside guy again that uh, that that gets a, a landing spot that uh, that they're able to produce quarterback. So. Um, next quarterback I want to go to, and this is the last guy I'm going to touch on at the quarterback position because we do have a lot of guys that I want to go over at other positions as well. But I do want to go over. Jalen Hurts. And this was another one that a lot of people are scratching their heads at going, why did the Philadelphia Eagles take Jalen Hurts? A lot of people were disappointed that, uh, that in that landing spot for Hurts. I, I'm not one of them. Look, uh, Carson Wentz can't stay healthy. He, he just hasn't been able to. I mean, look, they, the Philadelphia Eagles won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles, and you can give Carson Wentz all the credit you want because, uh, you know, he put him in a position to get there. That's fine. But you have to have a very capable backup quarterback if Carson Wentz is your starter at this point because he just hasn't proved to be durable. He hasn't proven that he can stay on the field uh, often enough to, to, to be relied on week in and week out. So you go get a guy like Jalen Hurts, and look, this this guy is he, he's a total difference maker. He's This is the way the NFL is going. This is the way that that the league is is looking to go at the quarterback position. And why not? Look at what Lamar Jackson did. You look at what guys who can run and pass can do. I know Jalen Hurts, you know, had some accuracy issues um, and, and needs to work on that. But uh, I think he's a more polished pass, passer than Lamar Jackson was coming into the league. 
I, I think you can see that in his season last year in Oklahoma. I mean, he there there were some passes that again, you know, you're gonna look at and go, boy, the accuracy was not there. But there was a lot of passes that you go, okay, that was right on. That 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 was a nice pass. Um, I think he improved as a passer, and I think he'll continue to get better in that role. But boy, what he can do with his legs is something special. And in the meantime, if Carson Wentz does stay healthy, you can use this guy in a number of different, almost a Taysom Hill type role. I mean, you can you can line this guy up out wide every you know every few plays or put him in the backfield. He is that good of an athlete. Um, but I do think he projects as a quarterback. I'm not trying to change his position. But I also feel that he's he's a, a high floor guy because he can do so much. So uh, you know, to me, this is this is a great pick. This is a nice landing spot too. I, I don't hate it. Um, he's going to play a little bit because Carson Wentz again he, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So I think uh, Jalen Hurts is going to play a little bit. And you know, if this guy becomes Lamar Jackson, I'm sorry, Carson Wentz is is going to be expendable. He's he's going to be a guy that you're going to look to move if if. Jalen Hurts can become, you know, Lamar Jackson, which I think is his ceiling. I do. I think that's that's what he can do. Probably a little bit more with the arm and a little less with the legs. But I think that that's that's about where he's at. So uh, the Jalen Hurts thing is is um, not as head scratching to me, not as disappointing to me with that landing spot. I like it. Uh, so so we'll uh, we'll wrap up quarterbacks there, and I can tell you that I really like. Jalen Hurts. I really like the landing spot, and uh, he would be a guy that I'd be targeting um, in super flex drafts in that second round for, for sure. So, Tired of the same old dynasty format? Think you have what it takes to be a real champion? DLF has partnered up with Safe Leagues and Commission extraordinaire Scott Fish to create the brand new DLF Champions Cup Series. In the DLF Champions Cup Series, you're matched up in a Superflex tight end premium division with points and payouts awarded every year. The bonus is that every third year, your cumulative points go up against a larger field to see who wins the Champions Cup. Claim a team today and begin your journey to hoist the Champions Cup and claim the $1,000 grand prize. Visit DynastyLeagueFootball.com slash leagues to sign up today. That's DynastyLeagueFootball.com slash leagues. Okay, so we're going to put a bow on quarterbacks now. Let's go to the running backs. And the running backs, man, I mean, the end of day one of the draft, we had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire landing in Kansas City, and boom. I mean, it just he just immediately shot up, shot up charts. I mean, he shot up rankings. This guy... Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was a guy who I, I really enjoyed. I loved his game. I liked what he could do in the in the passing game, in the rushing game, all of that. I really liked what he could do. He's 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 a great great running back, but the landing spot was key. I mean, him going to Kansas City. This is a pass happy team. They like to throw to their backs. They score a lot of touchdowns, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be in line to get a lot of those. I expect him to be involved early in this in this uh, in the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, offensive plays, I, I think, you know, a, a 55-45 share favoring Edwards Hilaire to Damian Williams is completely possible because the Chiefs likes to throw the ball so much, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire is that good in the passing game 
that I think he'll be on the field more than Damian Williams. And I think he's going to have more opportunities. So, man, he's a PPR monster. He's a guy with high upside. And if he can um, show Kansas City his running chops, which I think he showed at LSU, um, I think, it, you know, his timeshare is just going to increase and go up and go up and go up. And with this landing spot, man, again, when you're playing, you know, you're lining up behind or next to Patrick Mahomes with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and all these other weapons, no one's going to be able to key on you. You're not going to see it in the box ever, I don't think. So uh, it's it's just a, a superior landing spot. As soon as he landed there with first-round draft capital, I mean, everyone knew this guy was going to be a top pick. Right now, for me, um, look, I, I, I had Clyde Edwards-Solaire ranked as my running back four. This landing spot put him up to two for me. I'll take him two. And again, he's not going to get the one spot just because the guy I have at number one, and we'll get to him next is Jonathan Taylor. And the guy I have at one, Jonathan Taylor, to me is the safest bet because of everything he showed me in college. He showed that he's durable. He showed that he can handle that 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 workload, that heavy workload. Um, he goes to a team with a superior offensive line, um, and you know he's in a division that I think you could run the ball against for the most part. So, I mean, I, I, I like his landing spot. So that's why Clyde Edwards-Alaire is number two to me, but boy, he's right in the conversation for number one. I, I would not look these, these top five running backs in this class. I will tell you that I personally would not fault you for taking any one of them, um, you know, first in the running back department in a, in a, a super flex league or, or any other, um, not, not one overall, I think in super flex, um, you know, I have an, uh, an unhealthy obsession with Jonathan Taylor, but most people should go quarterback. Um, and then uh, after the top two quarterbacks are off the board, then I consider those running backs. But any of the top five running backs at 1.03 to me in a super flex league is fine. I, I, I You can make an argument for any of them. So let's go on to the second one. And that's that's my boy. That's my uh, my favorite guy in the class. And that's Jonathan Taylor. And look, Jonathan Taylor winds up in Indianapolis, and he probably has the stiffest competition because of Marlon Mack. But the one thing with Marlon Mack is he was awful, awful in pass pro. Um, he, he really was a liability there, and I think Jonathan Taylor can do a better job there right away, immediately. And I, I just think Jonathan Taylor's a better player. He does what Marlon Mack does, and he just does it better. He's a better inside-the-tackles runner. Um, he's he's a better, you know, zone sweep guy. I think he's even he, – I mean, Marlon Mack isn't a great pass-catching back. I think Jonathan Taylor, when he gets the ball in his hands uh, and he has space, is special. So I, I think – I. I think Jonathan Taylor comes in and takes 70% of that workload right away. I do. And to me, running behind a superior offensive line like the Colts, man, he's not going to miss a beat. I mean, that's what he did in Wisconsin. He was so effective doing that. He's going to continue doing it for Indianapolis. I, I really like um, – like the fit. I like the landing spot. I think Frank Reich's going to know how to use him. Uh, I, I, I'm just head over, head over heels for Jonathan Taylor. He's my running back one. Again, I, I, you, you can make an argument for any of these guys over him, but for me, he's my running back one. He was before the draft. Um, and after the draft, I, I don't see a reason to move him down. So Jonathan Taylor to me is right there. Let's go on to the next running back I want to talk about. And that's JK Dobbins. Uh, J.K. Dobbins winds up in Baltimore. 
Um, he is the Baltimore Ravens running back now and, you know, decent draft capital. Um, and, and he goes to Baltimore who runs the ball a ton. Uh, Mark Ingram is, I think, 31 years old. Justice Hill went there, but I think Justice Hill is more of a compliment type back. Gus Edwards is out. So, it, I mean, J.K. Dobbins comes in and at worst he's going to have to wait a year before he gets the line share carries but I don't even know if that's going to happen he is he's a fantastic back he's going to a team that runs first and even if he doesn't get the line share carries he could end up with 12 carries in a split you know Ingram could have 16 Dobbins could have 12 uh, you know 12 a week you know could average that um, and that's fine because they run the ball so much there with Lamar Jackson and on those uh, those read options and 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 that sort of thing that uh, that I, I think Dobbins can can contribute right away even if he isn't uh, the the uh, the lead back but once he ends up being that my goodness watch out because I think J.K. Dobbins his skill set fits what Baltimore wants to do um, Baltimore's defense got a whole lot better which means low scoring games they're going to be in more games um, and you know, that just means running the ball more. You know, you don't have to pass to catch up. I think Dobbins, the game script and Dobbins fit uh, for this team, I think, uh, I mean, this is this is a, an excellent landing spot. Fantastic for him. Uh, really, really nice spot. And I, I'm, you know, I'm, I, as much as I, I like the landing spot. It's hard for me because I really like J.K. Dobbins, and now he goes to Baltimore. And if you know, most of you know, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. It's going to be tough for me to cheer for that guy um, you know, moving forward. And uh, and I want to because I like him so much. Um, he is my RB five right now um, out of the five. Uh, and really, the the main reason is be it isn't because of his situation or his landing spot. It's really because right now there is some other some other mounts to feed there, and I just don't know what the pecking order is going to be. So um, once once that gets established, you know, I think I, I I think again that that he's going to going to be the lead back here after a year or so. But it's it's I, I just don't know with Justice Hill there and and with Mark Ingram, I just don't know what his role is going to be right away. So that's, that's my only hesitation with him outside of that. Um, and again, you could have this guy as your number one running back and take a, you know, take a swing that he's going to be, to be the main guy for them sooner rather than later. And if he is, you're going to hit gold. So, I mean, I, that's how, how hard it is for me to distinguish between these top five backs. And next, next running back I'm going to talk about is DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift, a fantastic running back out of Georgia. Um, this guy was my uh, RB2, or R yes, he was my RB2, uh, right behind Jonathan Taylor pre-draft. He winds up in Detroit <clears throat> as a member of the Lions. Now, look, I I'm not going to lie. It's a little concerning only because Detroit, man, they, they since Barry Sanders, they, they, I, I don't think they can find a running back. I mean, they have not drafted running back well. Um, and so it's, it's pretty easy to say, man, Detroit running back, I'll just stay away. Uh, but I think this is a different situation. Carry on Johnson, even though he has talent, and I, you know, I was a, a big proponent of his when he came into the league. You know, he he can't stay healthy, and he's had health issues going back to college. And so, you have to wonder, you know, his availability. I think DeAndre Swift is 
an even better back than Carryon Johnson is. He doesn't come with any of those durability concerns. Um, I think this guy, sooner rather than later, becomes the main running back in Detroit. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I think uh, with, with his pass-catching capabilities, I think he's a three-down back. He doesn't have to come off the field. And I, I like the pick for Detroit. I think Detroit is trying to become more of a defensive team, run-first type team. Um, Matt Patricia is that type of coach that I think would like to do that. Um, and I think this is a step in the right direction here for Detroit. I think getting DeAndre Swift is a guy that you can count on week after week um, to be there and produce at a high level. So I, I like DeAndre Swift. I like the landing spot. I don't love it, but I like it. I, I love his talent. Um, right now he is my RB3. My RB4 who was my RB5 is who I'm going to talk about, my RB5 pre-draft, and that is Cam Akers. Look, I have been very outspoken on Cam Akers. Uh, I was not – I didn't see a guy who I thought was special like I did with the top four, okay? I will say that this landing spot to me is the best of the bunch, and I know that a lot of people disagree with that, and I understand. I I, I understand, and I'd be willing to talk it out with 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 anyone. But I I I tell you this: here's why I think Cam Akers is filling a Todd Gurley role. Okay, Todd Gurley. We saw we we've seen Todd Gurley contribute at a high level in this offense with Sean McVay. I think Cam Akers is going to be the bell cow running back for this team. I mean, you don't draft a guy like Cam Akers if you have confidence in Daryl Henderson or in Mac Brown. I, I don't see it. I think, I think Cam Akers is going to be the man moving forward for the Rams, and I think that's a fantastic role to have. The Rams can be a high-powered offense. I think they will be again. Sean McVay is going to dial into what he does best. Um, I see a lot of tight ends on this team. You have Tyler Higby. You have um, Gerald Everett. They also drafted Bryson Hopkins, who is one of the best blocking tight ends in the draft. So I think this team is going to, hey, look, they traded away Brandon Cooks. I think this team is a team that you could see more three tight end sets, two wide receivers, single back back there. Um, I think that's the way this team is going. I think it's going to be a defensive minded team who is going to, to to run the ball more. You know, rely less on golf, rely less on the passing game, and that sort of thing. I think that's a good thing for this Rams team um, to do. So, keeping that in mind, Cam Akers moved up to me. I mean, this was the spot. If I had one landing spot, this was the spot I wanted Jonathan Taylor to wind up in. I think Cam Akers is an even better fit because of what he does uh, for the Rams. So, um, yeah, the only other running back I want to get to, and this the, the reason why I want to get to this guy is because he is getting hyped, at least on, on Twitter, he is getting overhyped, overhyped. I mean, scary overhyped, and that is Keyshawn Vaughn. <laughs> what, guys? You know how I feel about Ronald Jones. If you don't, I will tell you I am a big I, – I think – I'm a believer in Ronald Jones. I think Ronald Jones is is a better back than Keyshawn Vaughn. There, I said it. Um, and, and I'm not low on Keyshawn Vaughn, but I think people were so desperate to replace Ronald Jones and so desperate to get a different running back in Tampa Bay. It could have been anyone – and people would have been clamoring for this running back. I mean, it could have been a fourth, fifth round guy, and people would say, "Ah, oh, there you go. He's a late first, early second round pick in in you know rookie drafts." And I, I just don't agree. I don't think so. I think this is at best a timeshare. At best, 
Um, and, and I don't even know that I see that year one. I think Ronald Jones is going to be the guy. Look, he's comfortable in this offense. He's familiar with it. Um, I think he's going to, to, to really, I, I think he can complement what they are going to do there very well with Gronk, with Tom Brady, with the, those pass catching options. I think now is when you see the best that you're going to see out of Ronald Jones. So to me, the Keyshawn Vaughn hype has to slow down. Let's slow it down here a little bit. He doesn't have the draft capital of the other guys. He is not uh, as talented as the top five backs, um, but we're drafting him in the first round as if he is, and I just don't see it. Um, not with the top five backs, not with the quarterbacks. I mean, there's three quarterbacks I'm taking over him. There's five running backs I'm definitely taking over him. There's eight right there. And I know of at least four receivers I am taking over him, probably closer to six or seven. So I wouldn't take Keyshawn Bond until the middle of the second round at the earliest. Um, and I'm, I'm probably wouldn't take him till later. But uh, that's that's just me. But I, this first round stuff, man, that's got to stop. Keyshawn Vaughn is not a first round pick in this draft. You can mark my words. You can you can uh, you know write it down. You can come at me if I get this wrong. But I'm telling you right now, Keyshawn Vaughn should not be a first round pick in rookie drafts right now. There's no way. So that's all I wanted to, to get to at the running back position. But I do want to go to wide receiver, and this this position was very interesting. So. Let's start with the first wide receiver off the board, and that was Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs goes to the Raiders, and look, he is getting a lot of hate. I mean, this guy is dropping to the second round. He's going after Keyshawn Vaughn in a lot of rookie drafts. It's insane to me. Look, the draft capital is there, right, which means the Raiders are going to give him every opportunity to succeed. They're going to manufacture touches for him. They're going to find ways to get the ball into his hand. That's, that's good right away for PPR right away for PPR. Second of all, the only competition he has is really is rookies that were drafted after him. I mean, Hunter Renfro is fine. Um, and you know, if, if you want to, if you want to count Williams in there, I, I'm okay, but I, I, I don't, um, but when Bowden, they've already moved to running back, it sounds like. So, I mean, Brian Edwards is, is kind of it. And, and to me, I think, look, someone's going to catch the ball on this team. Uh, Waller's not going to catch them all. I think Henry Ruggs has the skill set, and he's going to get forced the ball. They're going to put him in positions to get the ball, to, to, to be a playmaker. So just that alone to me tells me that he is worth more than a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn, who, who might at best be a, 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 in a timeshare. <laughs> he, he might even be a backup, to be honest. Uh, but we're taking him over a guy like Henry Ruggs, and I just don't get it. Look, I don't love Henry Ruggs. Uh, I didn't love his tape. But I do really like this landing spot. I think opportunity is king, and I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity. This is a guy who I could see, um, you know, I could see myself taking an awful lot at the end of the first round because of where he's going, which uh, shocks me that he's going that late. Um, so let's get, let's get to the next guy. And the next guy I really want to talk about is Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy goes to the Denver Broncos. And holy, holy Hannah, is that Denver Broncos offense loaded now or what? I mean, man, Drew Locke has no excuse. He should be a top 10 quarterback easy with top five upside in fantasy. I mean, that's how good he should be. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant. You have two great running backs. Well, good running backs with Melvin Gordon and then Philip Lindsay. They can both catch the ball out of the backfield. Man, Drew Locke has been put in a position to succeed 
right away, and uh, and I love it. But Jerry Judy uh, becoming a part of this offense, I think he does. He has a very different skill set than Cortland Sutton, and I like that. They're going to complement each other well. Noah Fain can stretch the seam. I, I think this offense um, is very good, and I think it got a lot better with the addition of Jerry Judy. Uh, as far as Judy's fantasy outlook goes, you know, it, it, it remains to be seen what his what his piece of the pie is going to be. I think uh, a lot of these wide receivers that went later in the first round have a better chance of being that wide receiver one caliber type guy than some of the guys who went earlier. Um, and and this is one of them because you know you got to overcome Cortland Sutton and and to me Cortland Sutton has has proven that he can be a number one wide receiver in the league. Uh, so that that's that's an uphill. Then you know that that's that's a uh, an uphill battle for for Judy. I'm not saying he can't do it. But uh, but there's there's an obstacle there. There's a real obstacle there that he's going to have to overcome if he's going to be the number one on that team. Not that he can't put up good numbers as a number two, but I, I do feel like if, he, if he's going to be an alpha that we're going to draft him in the first round of rookie drafts as, we need him to become that number one. So um, he's a little bit down on my rankings because of that, but I, I love the player. I love his talent. I'm buying into Jerry Judy. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's where I'm at with Jerry Judy and the Denver Broncos. Now we get to C.D. Lamb, and C.D. Lamb was my wide receiver one coming into this thing. Man, I love this guy's talent, but boy, you want to talk about some obstacles to overcome. I mean, this dude has to, I mean, he joins Michael Gallup. He joins Amari Cooper, and now he comes in, C.D. Lamb, with first-round draft capital, and he's, I mean, to become the number one wide receiver in that offense, he's got to overcome a guy who they just paid, what, 100 $100 million to over five years in Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, who led the team in receiving last year, they, he's got to overcome that. I mean, that's that's an uphill battle. And look, I don't doubt that C.D. Lamb can do it because I've seen this guy, and on his film, he shows how good he is. So I, I don't doubt that he can do it, but I doubt that it can be done all that soon. I think it's going to take a little bit, maybe a couple years at least. So if you take a guy like C.D. Lamb, know that, hey, he could produce right away. He really could. But, you, you know, you might not see his best, I mean, his best best for three, four years because he might not get the opportunity to show you how good he is for that long just because of the other options. I just I don't see how that happens with all these other options that they have. I mean, elite pass catching options with those other two receivers. So um, CD Lamb to me, man, uh, I mean, uh, I have a hard time with him because he's one of my favorite players in the draft, but I have to lower his stock a little bit just because of that landing spot. And I hate doing it um, because I, I don't want landing spots to really determine too much for me. But with this one, man, it really does. With this one and with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I think those two um, have really really shook me as far as I mean they really rose and 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 dropped um with their landing spot and look again CD Lamb on based on talent do take him he's he is so talented but just based on opportunity you're gonna have to be patient I think if you do take him and that's okay if you're if you're willing to be patient um you know yeah then take him be patient and just understand this this might be a waiting game so uh, the next receiver I want to get to is Jalen Rager. And Jalen Rager, look, I, I really like Jalen Rager. Um, I, I don't think that's any shock to anybody how much I like Jalen Rager. If you had uh, listened to me and any of my any of my takes, um, you know, pre-draft, it's Jalen Rager was my wide receiver three, and um, he is he, he lands in to me. This might be the best landing spot of all. 
I mean, he landed in, uh, th this guy ends up going to Philadelphia. Now, think about the Eagles. Who else do they have? They have Elshon Jeffrey, who's broken down and coming back from an injury, right? Um, they have uh, what, Greg Ward. I mean, Deshaun Jackson coming back from an injury. They did trade for Marquise Goodwin, but, I mean, none of those guys, to me, is a guy I'm scared of. You know, if if I'm Jalen Rager and Jalen Rager to me, the the one thing I love is man when Deshaun Jackson was healthy at the at the beginning of the season, this Eagles offense was just different. I mean, you had two tight ends that could work underneath. You had Jeffrey, who was a good possession receiver who could win some jump balls, but you had that deep speed, that guy who could stretch the field, and you could work every level of the field this way. Uh, and it, it just that that Eagles offense was so dangerous then. Well, now they have that again. It, even without having to rely on Deshaun Jackson, you have Jalen Rager. And to me, man, Jalen Rager is really going to change things in that offense. He is a first round dynasty pick. Take him in the first round of your rookie drafts. I think he's probably mid to late. But man, I, I'm just I, I'm in love with that landing spot. I really am. I thought. Um, I don't think he could have went to a better spot. So I am, yeah, I'm happy with Rager to the Eagles. I'm happy for the Eagles and for Jalen Rager because I think both the team and the player win in this, in this case here. So let's go to Justin Jefferson. Uh, Justin Jefferson goes one pick later to the Minnesota Vikings. And I love this landing spot too. I, I really do. It's so hard for me because, look, what Justin Jefferson does well, what he showed well on film to me was he can run routes elite. I mean, he he knows how to get open. He is a great route runner, which which is fantastic because guess what? The Minnesota Vikings just traded away Stephon Diggs, who was a fantastic route runner, known for his route running. So to me, this this is a seamless transition. And look, my my guy um, Stompy at ff uh, under uh, at ff Stompy on Twitter, um, you know he he pointed out that you know it's going to be interesting to see because Thielen kind of works from the slot. What Jefferson does, and and the more I thought about that, the more I thought, you know what? I think Jefferson could do either one. I mean, he has the frame to line up outside. Um, I think he could be an outside wide receiver, but maybe early, maybe early. You know, you get him some more reps in the slot. But either way, I, I just think with his route running, with what he can do, with how he can get open, I think he he just fills that Diggs role so well. And we saw what Stephon Diggs can do in that role last year. And there's a high upside for Justin Jefferson. He doesn't have a whole lot that he's battling for playing time. I mean, Tajay Sharp, I, I, I think I think he gets on the field and he gets on the field early. So I love Justin Jefferson too. And I also love this landing spot. So Let's go to T. Higgins. You know, we mentioned T. Higgins earlier when we were talking about Joe Burrow, and T. Higgins goes with the first pick in the second round to Cincinnati, and he is absolutely going to be groomed as A.J. Green's replacement. And look, he, he has that skill set. He has that body type. He can be that type of guy. I'm not saying he's A.J. Green. I am saying that, you know, he profiles as a guy who can, who can do some of those things. So, I love the T. Higgins landing spot. I think, you know, he's he's one of the top three wide receivers already. And next year, uh, you know, A.J. Green's probably gone. I mean, he's only on the tag. Tyler Boyd's in a contract year, I believe. So T. Higgins could be looking to be the wide receiver one on this team next year. That's how good T. Higgins could be in, in, in an offense that, you know, again, you have an offensive-minded coach. You know, they like to throw the ball. Um, you have a nice running back to take the pressure off. But, boy, if you have Tyler Boyd on the other side too – you know, I mean, 
you, you're going to be seeing a lot of cornerback twos, you know, or, or you're, you know, you're not going to be facing double teams, anything like that. I, I like T Higgins. I like the landing spot. I think, again, this made a lot of sense, you know, the Bengals drafting a wide receiver here. You look at it a little closer and you go, man, this makes a lot of sense for them for the future. Um, and again, right away, I think he can contribute because I think he's one of the top three wide receivers, you know, on this team. John Brown serves a clear role here as a speed guy, as a guy who can stretch the field. And that's about it. I mean, uh, you know, I, I've been an Auden Tate guy for a while, but I, I have a feeling this is the end of the line for Auden Tate in Cincinnati because, I mean, he's not as good as any of those receivers. So um, the only way Auden Tate sees the light of day is if if Tyler Boyd does go next year, um, then all of a sudden A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd need to be replaced. Maybe that big body can line up outside. But um, either way, T. Higgins to me, great landing spot, fantastic uh, uh, talent. Uh, really like him a lot too. Uh, we're going to get to a few other wide receivers here uh, that I want to get to. Uh, one of them is Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman goes to Indianapolis to, to work with the Colts there. Paris Campbell coming off a major injury. He was a big last year, and you know we don't really know what the Colts have with him yet. Uh, but T.Y. Hilton, again, is getting a little older, and, you know, he's uh, he's not been healthy as of late either. Um, so, you know, if you're the Colts, uh, you need something. I mean, they don't have a whole lot else at that position. Um, you know, Darius Fountain is a guy that seems like they're high on, but he doesn't see the field an awful lot. And I think Michael Pittman immediately becomes an upgrade there, and he's already, you know, one of the top three receivers there. So, again, you know, you're going to see uh, him get used right away, I think. So, um, you know, he doesn't have a lot standing in between him and seeing the field. Uh, Phillip Rivers there is an upgraded quarterback. I, I know um, Phillip Rivers struggled last year, and, uh, you know, and, and you know, we have to deal with that. We have to acknowledge it. But he was still a whole lot better than Jacoby Brissett was, in my opinion, and I think he will be this year uh, as well. So I, I think this is a nice landing spot for Michael Pittman, definitely something to keep an eye on, a guy who I'm taking uh, early in the second rounds. Denzel Mim goes to the Jets. Look, Denzel Mims was a guy I wanted nothing to do with to begin with because he was just being overhyped. In my opinion, he was being overhyped. I still want nothing to do with Denzel Mims. Look, the Adam Gase stigma is real. I mean, this guy, I, I, if, if you work with him, you just don't produce. Like, I, I look at what Devontae Parker did. Look at what Kenyon Drake did. Look at what Ryan Tannehill did. All of them in Miami when he was the head coach. And now look at where they are. I mean, Ryan Tannehill was a game away from the Super Bowl. Um, Devontae Parker had a breakout season for the Dolphins when he left. Kenyon Drake it, it just just unseated David Johnson as a starting running back in Arizona. I mean, it, it's amazing what these guys do away from him. Denzel Mims now has to go there and try to be the guy to break that stigma and to produce under Adam Gase. I'm sorry. I have no confidence in Adam Gase. Now, look. Coaching comes and goes. So Denzel Mims might be fine next year, you know, if, if Gase is gone or the year after. I, I just don't think – my personal take is I don't think Mims is the talent that a guy like A.J. Brown is to where you can say, look, the situation is what it is, but once it changes, this guy is going to break out. Um, you know, and A.J. Brown obviously last year had Marcus Mariota throwing him the ball, and then, you know, Tannehill came in, the rest is history, you know. So, um, but I, I don't think Mims is that kind of talent that can just sit back and wait. I think he might be like a Devontae Parker, you know. That that might be his ceiling is is Devontae Parker, um, in my opinion. 
again, I know I'm outspoken on Denzel Mims as well. There's a lot of people very high on him. And if you are, you know, great, but just keep in mind, you know, he's still going to have to work with Gase. Keep your expectations low, at least for this year, um, and, and hope that Gase gets uh, worked out of there. Uh, I do want to talk about Brandon Ayuk, too, uh, going to the San Francisco 49ers. I think it's a very nice landing spot for him. Uh, I do. You know, he can complement uh, what, uh, uh, what Debo Samuel does. Um, they needed a wide receiver there, and I, I think Brandon Ayuk fits – uh, fits in very well in that system and what they're going to ask him to do. So, um, yeah, to me, this is another guy, you know, early second round, I'm looking for some of these receivers, and this is a guy who I really like. I think he landed in a nice spot. I think, uh, um, you know, San Francisco's, they like to run more than they pass, and he's at best the the, the third pass catching option there after, after Kittle and after Debo. But, you know, either way, I, I, I think um, – I think what Ayuk can do for the San Francisco 49ers is going to, uh, you know, is going to help him. And there's not a lot standing in the way of playing time, you know, for him. Yeah, er early on, he should see the field a lot. So, uh, so I, I like that for him. I, I yeah, and again, you know, real quick, we're going to talk about this. The benefit of a guy seeing the field right away isn't just that you can use him right away. It's more or less because you want to see what you have in these assets right away, right? I mean, who wants to sit around and wait two, three years and, you know, to, to know what you have, whether or not you can move on? I mean, this is someone that's taking up a roster spot or a taxi squad spot, and you don't know if they're worth it, you know, because you haven't seen them hit the field yet. You have to be patient, and that's the thing. With some of the later picks, you're going to kind of have to be patient. But, boy, to me, a tiebreaker. And uh, my, my boy, Kane, said it uh, at um, – uh, Kane Fossil said it on Twitter. He, he basically said, hey, look, a tiebreaker for me is, is this guy going to see the field right away or not? If he is, then that's the guy I want. And, and that's, that's perfect. You know, that's, that's – that was well put by him because that's, that's my thoughts on this exactly as well is that's a nice tiebreaker. You know, um, I, 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 want, I want that guy that, uh, that has a better chance at playing time right away, and I can evaluate, yeah, this guy's worth keeping or, you know what, I can move on from him, and I don't have to spend two years, uh, you know, waiting, you know. Uh, the last guy I want to get to at the receiver position is uh, LaVisca Chanel. Uh, this guy goes to Jacksonville. I, look, I don't hate it. I really don't. And and look, I what is what is he battling for playing time early? And that's that's another thing with him is, you know, you got DJ Shark on one side, but then you got Chenault. I mean, who's he? He's battling DD Westbrook and Chris Conley. These are guys that haven't really endeared themselves to the coaching staff or haven't been used a ton. I mean, Conley, you know, here and there. But I mean, I I I don't. I think LaVisca Schnault's better than any of those guys, to be honest with you. Um, and, and I like D.D. Westbrook a lot, and maybe D.D. Westbrook is more talented, but for whatever reason, they don't want to use him. So I think LaVisca Schnault can get use right away in this Jacksonville offense. This is a team that's on the rebuild, too. So, um, you know, you could see this team, you know, uh, being behind in a lot of games, throwing the ball a lot, and uh, really – they, they want to see what they have on LaVisca Chenault right away. So I think they're going to manufacture touches for him to see, hey, is this guy we can we can build around at that receiver position? Is he a keeper? Or is this a guy that we're going to, you know, kind of have to have to replace or, you know, move on from sooner rather than later? Uh, when you're in a rebuild, you kind of afford yourself that opportunity. So, um, so yeah, I think uh, I think that's, that's another aspect to him. So 
the last thing I want to do is go over tight ends, and I'm not going to spend too much time on tight end. I'm really not. I'm just going to uh, go over some names and just real quick how I feel about them. Uh, we'll start with Cole Komet going to the Bears. Um, I'm not a huge Cole Komet guy. I just wasn't uh, on his film. I didn't see a special tight end, and this was a guy who a lot of people had as their tight end one. I want nothing to do with him. The Bears have nine tight ends on their roster now. Um He's going to, you know, there's Jimmy Graham, there's uh, Demetrius Harris, uh, among others. I, I just, uh, to me, Cole Komet's a guy. Um, <clears throat> I don't particularly love this offense that he's in either. I mean, Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles uh, doesn't really endear um, targets to me right now. So I, I think I think I'd pass on Komet. Um as of right now, I think Komet could be a guy, a buy low in a couple years. Um, you know, if the Bears can figure out the quarterback position, that might be a guy that uh, that I look to if if I've seen some good things from him. Um, next, I want to go to Adam Troutman, and this is a guy where the Saints moved up and paid dearly to get. Um, I like Troutman a lot, um, but he's taken a big step up in class, and we don't know whether or not that's going to be too much for him to overcome, but I think Troutman is a guy who, again, you know, with these tight ends too, you're going to have to wait a year or two. Uh, Jared Cook is there. He's going to be the first option at tight end, but can Troutman see the field after that? And when is, you know, Cook going to be done? Um, yeah, that's that's another one. Um the only other tight ends I'm going to talk about, Alberto goes to goes to Denver. Um, I don't love it for him. I don't see a lot of two tight end sets with the receivers that they took with Hamler, with uh, Jerry Judy, with Cortland Sutton. I mean, I, I think they can spread the field out a little bit more. And even when they do go two tight ends, I think it's going to be more of a running formation uh, than a passing one. Um, so I don't I don't love the landing spot for Alberto. Um, I think it's going to take him a while to establish himself. If you're taking Alberto, you're betting against Noah Fant. You're hoping that Alberto can um, unseed Fant in the next couple of years. And uh, again, you're waiting. Bryson Hopkins, again, a weak blocking tight end, but he's probably the tight end three on the Rams right now um, just because Gerald Everett and um, uh, uh, Tyler Higby. I'm sorry, that name escaped me for a second. And Tyler Higby are both there and uh, probably ahead of him on the depth chart. Harrison Bryant going to my Cleveland Browns. I love the pick, but again, I mean, that's a crowded tight end room. You got you got Austin Hooper and you have uh, David Njoku. I think Harrison Bryant can contribute. It's just going to be a little bit. You know, you're, you're going to have to give him a couple years if you're sitting on him. Um, Hunter Bryant going to the Lions again, kind of the same thing as uh, as Albert O. You know, I mean, he's sitting sitting behind T.J. Hawkinson, who has a ton of draft capital, and uh, and it's tough to think that he's going to to unseat him. But uh, basically, if you're taking him, you're hoping that he does. Um, yeah, you're, you're betting against T.J. Hawkinson. So um, there's not a whole lot other than that uh, at tight end that I, I feel like I want to address. So that's that's just kind of my thoughts on some of these rookies, um, you know, and, and and their landing spots and their situation and kind of where I would draft these guys. So um, let me know if you agree or if you don't. Um, you know, you can always uh, let me know um, on Twitter. You can uh, at me. I'm at underscore James the Brain. You can find me there. Um you can also, um, you know, follow the show. Make sure to follow the show at Superflex Show on Twitter. Um, send us uh, any of your uh, um, any of your trades, any of your questions. We can bring them on the show. We can uh, retweet trades. We can vote on them. We can even analyze them on the show sometimes. Um, 
and that sort of thing. So uh, I, I guess we're going to sign off here. Uh, thank you guys for joining me. I appreciate it. Special thanks to Heart and Soul Radio for their use of the song, The Addiction. And a special thank you to Dynasty Week Football uh, and the family of podcasts over there and the entire DLF staff for their ongoing support. Um, and again, make sure to follow and send us questions and trade polls at Superflex Show. Um, you know, we appreciate it. And hey, as always, Superflexers, stay sexy and super flexy.